should you decide to accept it. Back to the Your Mission pod stream Twitch talk thing stuff. Pod? It's a pod. pod. It ends up a pod. pod. That much is clear. Episode two. This one was my pick. And we are into Tori Imois' fourth album. What for? From 2015. This is like in terms of... All right, quick breakdown. Tori Imois, primarily Chaz Budick out of Columbia, South Carolina. First album was Causers of This on Car Park Records. It came out in 2010. So that was like a very, I, I guess it's, I don't know if he agrees, but I guess it's like a seminal, like Chill Wave album is the consensus. At the beginning of the Chill Wave movement was like Caribou, which is a band I haven't thought about in a very long time. That follows that up with 2011's Underneath the Pine, which is really good, but if you have Doppler problems, it can be a little intoxicating because there's a lot of pan. But both of those are like very kind of like synthy R&B. And I think that kind of sound culminated for him on the third album, Anything in Return. And then he answered that with this, which is like super disco, like guitar forward, uh, a lot more acoustic instruments, some great like synth backdrop stuff. Still going, I think he's put out three more albums since then, Boo Boo, Outer Peace, and no, I guess just two more. Well, Outer and then Peace. he's done like some singles and other random shit. Mixtapes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Collaborations, all kinds of stuff. Plenty of content. I would say like the arc of the sound is like chill wave R&B into like kind of poppy disco into a little bit more poppy disco. Like it just kind of keeps going. This one for me is like a really good jump off point. This and the album he did with the Matson 2, which are just like both groovy albums. And then like I think if I'm introducing people to Tori Moi, which I assumed I was for both of you, Alonzo, maybe not. I remember his early stuff because it would get play at like the hipster clubs and bars in Philly. Like the tail end of my time in Philly. Um, yeah, which works because I'm not sure you can dance to it, but it is <laughs> good. I, you could shuffle. You could do the goth kid shuffle from <laughs> South Park. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Cool bar background music. I think for me, I think I, I feel a little more comfortable in bars that are a little bit more maybe traditional 70s butt rock and the game's on a TV and people are smoking and I don't yeah. know. That's more my speed, but it is cool every once in a while to go somewhere where you listen to, they're playing like cool music that's come out in the last 10 years, you know what I mean? I, w- I want to be surprised. Like, I want to hear largely not be surprised when I walked in, walk in, but by the end of my first beer, there should have been, like, a song that I was like, huh, okay, yeah. someone has some taste here. Like, someone yeah. has some interesting shit to say. Yeah. It's overpowering when that's all there is. How many, um, do you guys, there's one bar I know here in Albuquerque that I go to on a semi-regular basis that has a jukebox, like, that you can actually go and, um... Request Which one song. is that? A- Anodyne on Central. Oh, yeah, yeah, Man. Um, the lines that seem to be coming out of there recently, I haven't been there in a couple years. Yeah. Like everybody wants to be an Anodyne. Yeah, it's a good bar. It's a good bar. There's, like, pool tables, and it's dark and dingy. And has a good jukebox. And I can, good I can attest. It has a good jukebox. AP on the jukebox. I know he's canceled, but it is on the jukebox. So, um, 
yeah, I, yeah, he'll come up again this episode. Um, <laughs> um, but, all right, so yeah, 2015, smack in the middle of his career. Uh, a little bit more acoustic instrument-wise. Lots of pop. Lots of pop, but like a little bit of disco in it as well. So yeah. let me uh, give you my slight bit of context for this record. I did not listen to this record when it came out. So this came out in 2015, right? Yep. In 2015, these are the things that happened in my life. My twins were born. I think they were born about a month after this album came out. And then about a month before this album came out, I started a business and I'd never start, I'd never done anything like that before. And then in the three or four months before that, I was in a boot camp, like a software development boot camp. So 2015 is a year where- Music disappeared for you. Wherein I don't remember a lot um, of things just generally. I, I was low on sleep for most of the year and also just so many other things going on. And it was, I think, a year that when I listened to music, it was probably music that was comfortable and familiar. And you, know, you just go back to the oldies but goodies type deal. So I'm thankful that I got a chance to sit with this album and dwell on it because it is a really interesting development for this dude. And I didn't really know that because, like, I started listening to the record after this a little bit, uh, Boo Boo. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's definitely different than the older stuff, but more, more, more synthy, more mm -hmm. R&B, which is cool. Yeah. Which is cool. Really cool. But yeah, I that album is really good. I didn't know that he had a record where he went to, like, 70s rock inspirations and Elliot Smith and things like that where I was just kind of like, that's really cool that he could pull that off honestly yeah and so I'm like I'm I was pretty charmed I'm not gonna lie I was pretty charmed by this record nice so any Toro y Moi experience Toro y Tu Tu reminded me the first like immediate comparison that slapped me in the face like right away was that it sounded very Matthew Sweet -y to me. Oh yeah, that's one of those bands that I was trying to dig through, like dig through the mental Rolodex and be like, there's a sound here and it's a band I haven't listened to yeah, in a very long time. That's funny, I didn't even write, like I have a whole bunch of notes on every track and Matthew Sweet is nowhere there and it's not because you're not right, it's because I, I, I didn't pull it. I was gonna say, it, it, it is like the the most like if i had to assign percentages to all the things we came up with that this sounded like that one has got that gotta it's, be at least the highest interesting um, it's for me like some of it is okay what was he it's like what contemporary bands were around that he was like inspired by but then what were those bands inspired by and who was who for example like just hear the hear the bands that i wrote ap my my dear canceled ap Mature Themes era. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, the like, some of the drums on some of these sound like the older Tame Impala, super compressed, like, bang, like low-end banger drums. There's songs that sound like Steely Dan to me. There's songs that sound like ELO, Wings, <laughs> Paul McCartney Wings, Cheap Trick. There's a song called the Lily that sounds a little, gives me some Radiohead vibes. Yeah. Okay, computer sure. radiohead vibes. Can you hear that? There's Elliot Smith, I hear. 
and, and especially his, in his run, singing. baby, run, and and his what was the band that he was in before he broke off on his own? Heat, Heat Miser. Heat Miser. I always confuse them with Big Star. And like this part right band. here sounds like Elliot Smith Figure Eight era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I was, just, I didn't know he had it in him. I didn't know he had that. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe it was just like some low expectations, but. I feel like he was sound adjacent to to what you're to what you're talking about for yeah. a while, but more on the like R and B, throw the term around again, chill wave side. But did I, he tour with a full band before this record? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think he did. I think like the first. Well, maybe he didn't. I think the first album was just him. I think he had a backing band for Causers of This, maybe. But it wasn't a very, like, deep backing band. And then he added a second guitar, I think, for this album. And then, and maybe even a... Because there's two guitars, he plays one, and they've got a backing guitarist, and then a bassist, and then a synth guy, and then a drummer. So I think there was a drummer and synth, or a drummer and bass, maybe, and he was doing synth on Causers of This, so he may have just added two guitars. But yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about like the, I was just thinking about how like interesting and diverse this, like I mean, to me, like, ultimately it's inspired by a lot of 70s music, a lot of different flavors and shades of it. And and maybe also some contemporary groups that were like reinterpreting some of that music or doing some interesting stuff with that sound. The second highest influence that I heard, and it was like a an immediate second, like a very close second, was it sounds so much like Alex G, but just like more mainstream. Yeah. And then actually, Chris brought that up and I was like, yeah, but obviously this is like way more central than Alex G, but it would be like, Alex G's most recent album was also pretty mainstream. So maybe it's just like Alex G now. I don't know. I can't <laughs> keep up with I, can't I don't know Alex G enough to like say one oh, way what? or the other. Yeah. Really? He's from Philly. I thought you would have been, he would have been in your whatever. Yeah. No, like Philly bands that I really like. I was like Dr. Dog and yeah. uh, War on Drugs and Kurt Vile. Man, Man Man, which is a band I feel like people forget about, but they had a moment there. We may be, we may see more of Man this season. <laughs> thinking about that today. Yeah. Man Man's on tour right now. Turns yeah. Out. Or about. Yeah. To. I always feel, man, I just hit, fell hard for one of their records in the aughts and like just rocked the holy shit out of it. And, but like they never sure. got like a big following like Dr. Dog or something like that. That's what I was going to say. Do you remember that Mr. Small show? It was incredible. Yeah. Like when it, like it dropped to just, what's the lead singer's name? It's Hannes. When it dropped to just like Hannes Hannes in the piano, like for two or three songs, it just, there was Freddie Mercury vibes happening at Mr. Small's in those moments. It was really wild. It was really good. So yeah, Alex G is a good call. I was thinking about AP, um, with specifically with Ratcliffe. I was thinking about how much that reminds me of Lestat. That's so funny. What I have written for Ratcliffe, maybe I should play that right now. But is Paul McCartney and Wings? That's to me. That's my. I'm gonna get to it. Maybe it's just that it's, guitar tone. Yeah, that like buzzed <laughs> out. Maybe it's just that guitar tone, where I'm just like... I, the pro that, the that, progression that. of this makes me think of a stat so much. His vocals over it, 
Like, that, that, I think it's just a guitar tone, maybe. <laughs> but just that, if you listen to Band on the Run, or whatever, or Let Me Roll It, it just makes, it instantly brings me to that. It's also a pretty catchy melody, you know, so <clears throat> McCartney, like, basically, that's a requirement with anything Paul McCartney. How deep do you guys, are, how deep are you guys with the McCartney wings, McCartney, Linda McCartney, no? Too shallow. It depends on, I think there's, like, an album, possibly two, that my dad had and played that I'm familiar with, but I wouldn't claim that same level of knowledge with respect to the whole I'm not I'm not some sort of huge Paul McCartney fan don't get me wrong uh, I, no, I, I love Ram I love Ram he is my least favorite Beatle I love like Ram I think Ram is like fucking beautiful and then that first Wings record Wildlife like yeah I like but I'm not endlessly familiar with his shit what's funny I actually I watched Licorice Pizza whenever it came out in the theaters and it has a really great scene that uses the McCartney Wing song, Let Me Roll It. And actually, that's on our After Party playlist. Or a performance of it is on our After Party playlist. But I definitely heard a lot of that sound all throughout this record. And it's weird because I feel like I agree with you, Jenny. I think, no, Ringo's my least favorite Beatle. If we're oh, talking, <laughs> I mean, no, if we're talking about like what? musical output, come on, man. I actually, I, I don't mind Octopus's Garden, and didn't you have some party where someone had put that on repeat? I mind Octopus's Garden. It, it, yeah, it, it, it like literally was... generates nausea, and only because I threw up a whole lot in a trash can with that playing on repeat one. So there's just like a whatever Pavlovian, like, you start playing that, I might need to leave. But, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Look, I'm just saying, you can't... You might not like Paul McCartney, but his shit is better than Ringo. Come on. I'm sorry. He has way too many he, hits. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, don't like, I don't like those hits, though. That's the thing. His, like, his stuff is, like, my least favorite. I would rather listen to Octopus's Garden than just about anything Paul McCartney. Yeah. Really? We may need to put that shit to a test. Because, okay, because, you know, all the Beatles songs that he wrote were... Lennon McCartney is the songwriter, well, but people know which I'm ones he mostly about, wrote. I'm talking about like Paul's like solo material slash like like the stuff that like he has primary or sole ownership of. It's just not. It's not my thing. Band on the Run, like Band on the Run, no. the song. Mm -mm. Damn, that beginning part of Band on the Run fucking kills, in my opinion. But okay, but name for me one Ringo song after the Beatles. Oh, I can't. And that's no. maybe that's why that's maybe that's why I don't dislike him is because you know, <laughs> he stayed obscure enough that I haven't acquainted myself with the, the worst of So his. what's your Beatles order? I know this is a digression, uh, but I think it's an important George. digression. Definitely number George one. number one, John number yeah. two, I guess Ringo number three, Paul number four. Ringo and Paul can fight it out for three and four, I don't care. <laughs> in fact, I would like to see that. I would like to for them to fight it out. Um, okay, right, 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 three beat off the three of them are just as bad. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I mean, George Harrison, like all things must pass era. Beautiful. I don't know. Agreed. Don't know and, and he had an album in the '80s, and I hate. I generally do not care for '80s music, but he put out one of the few '80s albums I really like. Is that the one with "I Got My Mind Set on You"? Is that the same one or? 
it might be i know cracker box palace is on there and i can't remember if set on you but i think it's the same yeah, yeah. i think that's right uh, ryan i mean just to, I, get, you just know, to get you on the record here yeah no i can easily say that like one and two i agree wholeheartedly and three is pretty e easily paul mccartney and and then there's ring gap like yeah, and, yeah. With, with, with them is always a dark you know what i'm saying like <laughs> Yeah, Wasn't so, that the, the famous quote, alleged quote, is that somebody asked if Ringo was the best drummer in the world and they said he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, Ringo kept the time really well. He did, he did keep the time. Really, I was going to say, he really tied that band together and yeah. then I remembered that he didn't because they broke up. So it was like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I got nothing else. Look, it's, so, it's, way, it's, to, way to fail in everything, Ringo. <laughs> I did watch like big pieces of the Get Back, and one of the cool, one of the things about Ringo you begin to appreciate is he's just a pretty fun-loving guy, and like it's sure. like when you have all those egos, you need someone that's just okay, whatever, man. Let's just and just fun-loving and chill. I agree. Like I don't dislike Ringo yeah. at all. He right. seems like a really nice guy. Again, yeah. the Beatles get back made him look like the level-headed guy of the bunch. Yeah. But it turns out that also made him the boring guy. The <laughs> it's easily for me, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, in that order. And John, Paul, George, and Ringo. John, Paul, okay. George, and Ringo, and and it's because and mostly. Why I'm putting Paul above George is because just vo volume, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and I do like George's solo stuff. And it, they did this really cool video for My Sweet Lord recently. In the last like couple, in the last year. Like his son and a bunch of other like comedians and actors or whatever. Wait, who did? The son of Lester Bangs. His name is Lance Bangs. Lesser Bangs being no, a very famous Rolling Stone. My Sweet Lord is a George Harrison song. I know, but I'm saying oh. they made a they made a video for oh, the song. Oh right. And video. it was it came off pretty cool. Yeah, um, this is the one that came out last year or whatever. Yeah, it came off pretty yeah. cool. I would say. Sure. I will say that um, simply having a wonderful Christmas time makes me want to shoot my brains out, and maybe I'm barely letting some of that spill over. But man, do I really want to like. I want to go on a rampage every time I hear that. Yeah, that's an that's unfortunate. That's definitely I'm with you there. But uh, yeah, you know, my my criticisms aren't limited to that. But that may be he's the got one some, that makes me angry. He's got some great songs on on the White Album. He did Helter Skelter. He did I Will. I don't know. He's got just a bunch of bangers on that record. That and then George Harrison's Beatles stuff is great, but it's one song per album, two songs per album max. Yeah, George shown better on his own. I will agree there that he um, let him do his own thing. But I if, feel like he came through a little better. If you watch Get Back, one of the things is like you, he got pissed off because they just wouldn't let him like do his thing. Like they just wouldn't like like he'd get one song an album and that was it. But the other side of that is, I think one of the things you realize is that like both John and Paul would just bring five million ideas. So like when they go record, they each got like a bunch of fucking songs like that they could try and play. And George got three or four. So anyway, okay, Beatles digression. Back to the record. Okay, let's just do a Beatles episode. <laughs> I just wanted to get everyone on record. 
Um, we'll never going to be <laughs> we're never going to be able to play the Beatles, so we'll talk about That's the Beatles over top of Toro Emo. <laughs> right on. What do you guys think of this song? Because it I, sounds a little bit different to me than a lot of the rest of the, rest of the record. Yeah, I know. I think it was this the one we were talking about being like the most disco. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. That like that high clean reverb guitar is just and like the falsetto chorus Saturday Night Fever and the falsetto chorus yeah yeah <laughs> and that the bass like prominent bass and stuff like that it's cool it's not like as dumb as most disco songs are which is cool which is a plus I for me I like spell it out a little bit better than like Buffalo. Half Dome really gets me in like the first 15 to 20 seconds mm -hmm. and then loses me entirely. And I wish that wasn't the case. Like every time it comes on, I'm very excited to listen to Half Dome. I think Half Dome. And then within a few minutes, I lose it. It's Half what's playing now. Yeah, Half Dome's what's playing now, and Jenny Jenny has it on her cut. Uh, but yeah. neither of us have, neither I of us have it on I actually like the second half better. <laughs> <laughs> You and I can we can share custody of this song, Lewis. You get this yeah, song. yeah. No, it's great. I'll get it every other weekend, and then, you know. <laughs> I uh, I'll do the health insurance. Yeah, all right, that's cool. I'll make sure it gets to school with lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I am tired of this song's like public or private school bullshit and wanting the crust cut off its bread. Like I'm over it. That's all you. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. We've. We really have spoiled the song. <laughs> I like the part where it goes, yeah, I'm kind of dating, I don't know. It, no, it's, I'm not saying it's not beautiful. And yeah. I don't, to be clear, this first half is fine. There's nothing wrong with this first half. I just dig the second half more. Cool. I'm not criticizing this. And there are songs on here that I actively dislike, like Buffalo. Man, do I skip that one so fast every time. But, but uh, It's so also it's not, not on my one, cut. But it was weird this album was like such an interesting experience because i have there are two or three that i actively dislike and never want to hear but there are also like three or four that i really like it's like all over the place for me which okay. is weird it's usually not so polar as that what's so what's your favorite song is it what you want is that is it are we doing them in order on there okay yeah. cool like that's such a great opening track it is like it's a fantastic song and it's a great opening. Like it immediately gets you excited about whatever's going to happen on this album. Yeah. It does, and it has. If you guys and I, I, you probably aren't. I'm trying to remember what year this was. Matthew Sweet's girlfriend was like '90s, mid '90s, mm -hmm. early '90s, '90s. Yeah, I think it was like '90. I think like '94, '95. It has. It it did a similar thing. '91. Like, it was '91. And I'll, I'm probably going to have to stick it in the after party now because I hadn't even got up to my three yet. So now I'm going to have to do it. But like Girlfriend had the same energy. Like Girlfriend was just like this absolute, like very pop, but also like hard driving, like melodic alternative. And like now it's pretty commonplace, but I think at the time it was like the first time I'd heard someone try to do this in like early 90s. And I was like, whoa, you can do that? Oh, I guess you can. Huh. So um, this song is like... To me, the biggest AP like inspired song. That's so crazy. Mature, at no, at, mature at no era. point, at no point did Ariel Pink ever enter my mind when I was listening to this. So many oh. other things did, but never. No, I gotta go get the sage. She said his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's have Tucker Carlson on as a guest, idiot. 
But anyway, there's just parts of this that feel like mature themes to me. Whatever was going on in that record, especially like some of the more melodic songs on that record. Maybe it's that I was too busy hearing Alex G for anything else to really, on this song. There's sounds in here, the weird guitar stuff. That, I love that like synthy. There's some stuff there, and that's buried throughout the entire album. Uh-huh. These great little synth riffs that I will find myself walking through the house whistling out of nowhere. And if it's been a while, there'll be that moment of like, where the fuck did that come from? What fucking song is that? And then, yeah, stumbling over it, it's just so sad. You know what else is, is about the song? Is the vocals, the way they're tracked, and the way the harmonies are layered, it sounds just like fucking Ariel Pink, especially that time. Like, I, I hear those vocals and I'm just like, wow. He, the way they did the vocals, especially on this song, I think the, most of the record though, too, it, it sounds like very much inspired. And if you think about him, if you think about AP, you think like a lot of his inspiration was like lo-fi 70s AM shit, sure. where <clears throat> they did a lot of that stuff, a lot of the same techniques. So for me, this is this part. This part sounds like AP to me. I just, yeah. I don't know. I can hear it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this is, this feels, I could even, I didn't put anything on the playlist because, but there's, maybe there's some specific songs where I feel like, yes, that's it. And with Buffalo, I hear more before today. I hear more round and round, especially right at the beginning. Cause it's a, before today has a little bit more eighties lo-fi vibes. If you ask me. But Buffalo, which I think was the main single from this album, is not on any of our cuts. And, and it was the one that I, I played last last episode, like in the after party as the teaser. Because mm-hmm. like it, it was an easy like seeing them play it live is good. And it, it's it is good, but I think there's just more interesting stuff than Buffalo on this album. Yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. I like I like the whole album, but this is like less interesting when it comes down to cutting things. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, you know, it's, it's cool. the same thing for the last track on the album as well. The, yeah, it's good. It just it doesn't quite make the cut when <laughs> I'm cutting to the interesting stuff. I like that. I like the yeah, right. I think it was, I think I put it in my cut. We'll get to that. Yeah, one. you did. We'll get to that. I wrote my, the notes I wrote here were AP plus. A Steely Dan like from like Asia mm-hmm. album 1977 plus a little bit of an 80s R&B sound plus like even maybe like some like something like Chromeo I and I actually put a Chromeo song on the after party that we can uh, listen to it's like probably one of my favorite videos that they do yeah I'll be curious to see what they do next yeah no doubt yeah what else this little breakdown, I can hear the Steely Dan. One of the things about this record that I like is that there are the songs change a lot. Like with some of his older stuff, is a little bit more repetitive and a little bit more like interested in I think the aesthetic of the sound. Mm-hmm. Where these songs switch a lot in interesting ways that remind me of a Steely Dan. Where you're gonna have them, you're gonna have a, a cool melody, but then. It's going to go 10 different ways and you'll never be able to predict how it's going to end or in which direction it's going to go. 
And I feel like maybe that's just like a function of him just being a musician and his songwriting like maturing in some way. And, and I'll say that like this sound only benefited from the addition of the Madsen 2, which I put one of the tracks from that in the after party from their, I don't think the name of the album is like Star Stuff, maybe. Um, like those guys already like nailed this sound perfectly. And it was a nice pairing for an album. That's cool. I like, I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't like the new normal for what he was putting out. But yeah, I think if you like this, like listening to that is an interesting like step deeper into that 70s vibe. No, I'm excited to check it out. So I wanted yeah. to replay the beginning of this song, The Flight, because I wrote down in my notes, it sounds like Crumb. I was just about to say that it, this, it, I don't know if you guys know who this is, Nick Solomon, what is, oh, Beavis Fron? Oh yeah, Beavis Fron, yeah, I know Beavis Fron, yeah. Heavy Beavis Fron vibes on this one for me. Huh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I Yeah, I think the reason I wrote down Crumb is that guitar line and then the breakbeat drums sound like, for me, that was like the first thing I came up with. It's a recency thing. Sometimes I was like, oh, like this reminds me of this. And then the longer I thought about it, I was like, oh, but also this, which I haven't thought about in long Exactly. Time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I also wrote down Midnight Cruiser <laughs> because I don't know if you guys remember Midnight Cruiser, but like it has this kind of more mellow part and then the chorus goes into kind of a more guitar driven, bigger part and it switches up in a similar way and so again maybe i just have the same like five bands in my fucking head and i'm just like just grasping at straws here but i feel pretty good about that he was listening to fucking some some steely dan i don't know oh yeah i i think there's definitely some i hear steely dan throughout <laughs> in bits and places through here yeah. for sure yeah yeah no it's like a thread like like it kind of pops in and back out and kind of back into your awareness like every couple songs oh yeah that that like the clarity of that production the piano with that like disco-y kind of guitar yeah and this like these buzzed out slow david gilmore pace solos oh yeah yeah that's interesting yeah almost like on i'm trying to think like uh not wish you were here but, for me, it's like it's like later Floyd in terms of the like, it, and, and it's not necessarily a sound, but like the way that he travels through the solo, yeah. it's a lot of hit a note, bend a note, like kind of flow through the thing yeah. instead of just like showing off your you know licks. It's a yeah, that's a good call. And one of the things I always appreciate about Floyd is that their songs have the space to breathe for someone to play like a solo like that. And it's not because we grew up in in the 90s when it was like the solo was like formulaic where it was just like okay it's like verse one chorus verse two bridge solo (laughs) and the solo the solo is built around the same chord structure yeah but has some more like hammers and bends in through it like instead of the chord structure they're playing through they're just playing across the neck 
and pausing here and there. I just, right? They're is they're playing scales. Like yeah. they're playing scales just based right around the like central melody. I just think though that there's a lot of a lack of creativity. Like I remember when we were growing up, it's like a lot of the stuff we listen to, it's like, Alright, when's the solo coming? Alright, here's the solo. Yeah. It's just well, it, but also like that era I feel like that was the discussion of guitarists, right? Like yeah. Like, it was based off of the solo and who, like, played in what style. Yeah. And not, I don't know, like, I think about The Edge sometimes. Yeah. And I think about the way that The Edge... Oh, sorry, like, just a really great sentence. No, I know. <laughs> guys, out of context. I think about right The here. Edge sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but... No, I, I think about The Edge sometimes. and like, like you and the, no one else. Sorry. <laughs> I know you and everyone I'm that gonna, has you and everyone that has an iPhone. Funny. You and everyone that has an iPhone from like 2004 or some shit. Like to listen to the way that he played guitar through those songs, it's very spare. It's not even chords. It's like single notes that may come in like once or twice in a measure. It's not about playing riffs. It's about filling a space. Yeah. You could do the same thing with a triangle, but like the edge does it with a guitar. Yeah. And it's an interesting choice. Like it's yeah. it doesn't make him like Joe Statriani or whatever, <laughs> but but it does make him like unique. And I was yeah. there was somebody else I was listening to recently that I was thinking about like I was thinking about the way that they chose to place the guitar in the arrangement. It reminded me a lot of like the way that the Edge played gu guitar through a U2 song. Do you remember growing up, like just the fucking like discussions around the best guitarist? And and it was so funny as I remember those discussions. And of course, like I rocked for Billy Corgan and whoever. But there was always like that person that would be like, "Hey, man." Ace really is it somewhere in there in like the top 10. And I just remember, like now I just I reflect back and I just wish that I had the confidence to be like, shut the fuck up, Kiss sucks. And if you're putting Ace really in the top 10 guitars of all time, like you're smoking crack and it's shitty crack. What the hell? But Dimebag Daryl would be in the discussion. I'm not, and these are not like untalented guitarists, obviously. Like, yeah, yeah. They're pretty awesome, but it'd be like, yeah, it'd be like Dimebag, Kirk Hammett, but I don't know, <laughs> whoever. Yeah, and, and I think about that now, and the guitarists that I lean more towards are ones that did something interesting with the sound. Not that they, like, and, and I think, like, Dimebag did something Dimebag, no, I'm not shitting on Dimebag. Look, don't sure. get this mistaken. Ace Frehley and Dimebag are in different fucking dimensions, okay? Sure, like, No, rest in peace and all that shit. Uh, Dimebag's the shit. But, like... A lot of the guitars, it was, it was like, it's like very formulaic songs where it's, okay, here comes a solo, whatever. And, right, then, yeah, yeah. and then, and then, hey, you're a fucking amazing guitarist. But I think you're right. It's like the, the guitars that are interesting to me now are just the ones doing different stuff. I remember when we were growing up, I think the wild card that you could play in those discussions would be like saying someone like Les Claypool, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you could like really fuck shit up by saying, what about Les Claypool? And then someone would be like, he plays bass. It'd be like, he My, plays bass like a fucking lead. Come on, man. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, right, and now it's, yeah, that, he, like, Les Claypool, Yako Pastorius, and Thundercat. All <laughs> in, 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 yeah, exactly. Crazy world of their own. 
No, my, my favorite wild card at the start of those arguments was Mark Knopfler. It never got much. Dude, purchase. I love Dark Strange. I, like, I, mean, I love Dark Strange. Like, like, Mark Knopfler's, like, choice of sound was always really interesting. It, yeah, no, cool songs. And show-offy, but not in a stupid way. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like in a jazz musician way. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I can just do this. You want me? I can talk to you while I do this. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and then someone that had their dad's Ingve Momsteam like CD would be like, "Oh yeah, Ingve Moms," and everyone else is just like, "Okay, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, Ingve." <laughs> yeah, well, the, the Nordic fellas know their guitar. <laughs> uh, Steve Vai, I remember some people would like drop every once in a while, and it's just like, no. yeah, I think I, I think I picked up a couple of Steve Vai albums. Like I, I never, but like that, so. th- those guys were, they were the people that were pushing in the way that like Tosin Abasi does now, where it's like, here's your rock, and here's like a different, ver- like, was it Steve Vai that kind of started like pushing the seven string guitar as like a yeah. thing? I think about that in terms of the way that Tosin Abasi pus- pushes the like multi-tonal guitar, where the frets don't sit in, a, in an even parallel to the bridge. Right. Yes, yeah. They right. actually like, tilt so where your tone changes as you play across the neck I like think, these I guys were doing something different i i will say buckethead exists in that buckethead in a way that like he does not get the kind of credit for right T- tosin abasi just just a very quickly about tosin abasi jay was the one that turned me on to tosin abasi i didn't know any of that stuff and animals as leaders by the way jenny i don't know if animals as leaders is like a kind of prog metal band led by this guy Tosin Abasi who's I think probably regarded as like one of the best guitarists like in the world right now and but the thing is to me the difference between him and like a mom's team who's like playing kind of classical music on the guitar or a lot of stuff like that it's just that I like listening to Animals as Leaders like the songs sound good and interesting and cool to me and maybe I'm just not in the right mind space to be like fucking with these other guys you know Ingway Malmsteen, like, like the classical rock on guitar thing is a good comparison. Yeah. We are way off base. <laughs> How did we end up talking about Ingway Malmsteen? Can we, re- <laughs> can we realist fish in? Yeah. All right. So we've talked about, let's see, we've talked about, that, so you, talk, you were talking about the flight, Empty Nesters. Toma, Empty Nesters is on your list. I, I was, I, right when I hopped on the call, Alonzo and I were talking about it, and I was, struggling between choosing the flight or empty nesters as someone who also chose empty nesters can you want to talk about what you like about that i can i don't know that it's gonna be as deep and insightful as like the the gander y'all just went on um, <laughs> i'm pretty sure it may make, people it that may know make, things threw up in their mouths it may make it may that. make less they may make more sense i think it has a good <laughs> yeah. chance of making more sense it was I think that there was like like a competing tension in this one for me, and it was that on the one hand, I really I enjoy like the energy in it, um, particularly this part where it has that little bit of a beat switch up, and then it has the little like I don't know it's just like very infectious like right here, and I was into that, but I also was like oh but it's also it's, it also felt like a little. This isn't the right word I want to use, but it's the only one I can come up with right now. Like, just a little bit, like, real 
a little too basic top in some places. So I kind of had like mixed feelings about it, but then ultimately these ones won over. I think that it took me probably 10 listens or so to really settle on how I really felt on some of these because it was like, I, th I think that I had complicated feelings about at least half of them. And it took me probably 10 listens to really settle on whether, on whether I ultimately really liked or really Okay, this sounds like ELO to me, just by the way. I, I don't know if you can hear that. I can hear the ELO, especially in the, again, the trills and the synth. I, I also, I like the walking bass through this song. Like it really, like, there, I felt like the choice between the flight and this track for me were a little bit like the sad boy win or does the like happy yeah, moment like, win. This is, this is like a little too happy, honestly. This, it's right there. It, about it definitely like peaks in that like bouncy pop range. Lewis, I think about that edge all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what about the what about cheap trick? Yeah, I can uh, hear the like the lead singer in this, like the way that Cheap Trick. Okay, so what's their Rick, big Rick big, Nelson? Yeah, what's their big song? I want um, you to want me. No, it's the kid. It's not the kids are all right, but it, the kids are right is in the. Oh right, yeah, what, what's um, the name of um, that song? Surrender. Uh, surrender. That's surrender. it. Surrender. Cheap yeah. Trick. Surrender. Yeah. That. So the chorus will sound a little bit, and also the lyrics of the song and also, uh, are similar. <laughs> yeah, that like this like little bridge breakdown. You're yeah. right, Toma. Yeah, it's good stuff. The, the lyrics sound like like the lyrics are about the surrender is about your parents are weird, but like it's okay. They're decent. Yeah. <laughs> just put up yeah. with their shit. Surrender, but yeah. don't give yourself away. And this song right, is like yeah. like what happens when your parents leave. I don't know. It's like some similar vibes or similar. I I think like. It stands out from the rest of the album because it's such a like boppy kind of pop compared to the rest of it. It stands out a lot. But for me, I feel like it it does it in a way that like really pulls the whole album together. Like I feel like if everything sounded like Ratcliffe or The Flight, it would still be like one of my favorite albums, but like in the middle of it is this beautiful little high energy poppy number that like my taste and my like sensibility betray each other like i might try and play it tough and be like oh yeah this isn't quite but meanwhile like when nobody's looking i'm really fucking into it like <laughs> i i can't help wow. myself i really enjoy it you're having a battle in your own mind man it's like listening to the Eagles. I hate the fucking Eagles, but I know all the lyrics to their, to their song. <laughs> There's that. This is my second favorite song on the record. And Rat Ratcliffe? Yeah, it's beautiful. It the is. opening is super strong. I love the way it changes up into this kind of more mellow thing and big wings vibes for me. I, excited to play Let Me Roll It and see what you guys think because I feel like there's some overlap there. It feels like much like, like I brought up Lestat before for this track, but like it, it feels Victorian. Like it, the feel of the track is very Victorian. It feels very like proper and like the way that they like bring the synth through this whole thing is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they choose synth and piano for the primary like melodies is amazing. Like those two dance 
between each other really in an interesting way, I think. Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of those. This is gonna. This song will make my playlist of songs that someday when I can make movies like I want, like I would want to use in something. Because it's just this the, the emotional that, emotional journey of the song is like complex yeah. and interesting. How Wes Anderson hasn't used it yet, I don't know. <laughs> like it feels very Royal Tenenbaums. Like a little bit, yeah, for sure, yeah, a little bit. I'm actually gonna skip ahead to. Cool. Run, baby, run. And, yeah, uh, when you you sent me a text like a couple of days after like we did the last episode, yeah. and it, all it said was like, "Run, baby, run," and then the like chef's kiss. <laughs> I and in my head it was just like, yeah, no, this was the one that I figured would like hook you hard. It's a, uh, it's I'm a sucker for upright major chord melody strong melody and uh, and then the verse sounds it's a little bit of sad boy sad boy stuff and the pairing of that has always i'm just i don't know that's just like what i like right that's why i like the first weezer's things because it is the weezer thing in some way it's like yeah. big loud ass major chord like chorus and some sad boy stuff in in the middle just to keep you cooked and grounded right yeah <laughs> yeah not a bad it, thing. It, that was on my that was on my guilt like yeah, yeah, it the, was. on my guilt cut. Swedish. Guilty pleasures. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Like this has strong Elliot Smith vibes. Specifically Heat Miser. Like, this is good. Like it, Fig, it figure belongs. eight. Is, I, I wrote figure eight. Elliot Smith figure eight. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if figure eight, but it's around that time frame. Like Figure eight in that it's like a bigger band and a cleaner production yeah. than than everything else before that. But but in terms of the melody, I, I think it's more early like Heat Miser stuff where it's like a little bit more radio friendly and not quite to the like deep depression that yeah. was the first three Elliott Smith albums. I, I don't think yeah. I don't think I think I was the only one that so I looked up the song on YouTube to look for a live performance or something. There's yeah. one and I'm kinda like, damn, am I the only one who likes this song? Like this song fucking uh, bangs to me. It should have been like yeah. a big hit. And it, it almost gets that like fast it almost gets that same kind of poppy sensibility that we were just talking about with empty nesters. Yeah. But it stays a little more on the sad voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's too short, I guess, is the only my only criticism. Yeah. One of the things that you brought up was Weezer. Yeah. Did anybody else catch the Weezer reference? And really? I did the sweater. The sweat. He yeah. talks about the sweater. I, I yeah. You know what? That was something that I remember listening to, and I caught up. I, I, I caught it, but I didn't write it down in my notes. <laughs> he yeah. makes a reference to the sweater song, which is pretty yeah. hilarious. What, what yeah. song? What? In what song does he do that? It's Lily, which there's also a video to. I had to really rein myself in for the after party because there's a lot of really cool Tori Moi videos. But uh, yeah, let me see if I can find the lyrics. Genius. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, okay, yeah, I did this, hear Lily, that. Lily was like the second video from the album, I think. There were three videos that were released on this album. Let's pop up. I gotta pull up link for the album first. I don't think there this is. I don't think this is. Uh, I don't think it's on that one. 
because maybe it's not. Maybe it's empty nesters. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, maybe that's right. I don't yeah. I know, I know. Oh, there, there's no one. Yeah, it's in the first verse of Empty Nesters. There is no one to destroy your sweater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which um, is is cool. That's fun. That's cool. Kind of cool, bringing us back in touch with our our first episode. But anyway, all right, we're at like an hour. Like, what? What? Do you guys have anything else? Like, any other rounding thoughts? Yeah, I, I will say to reiterate, I think this guy's put out a bad album. There's all it's sometimes it's like Tame Impala where it's I need a little time with it. Mm-hmm. I inevitably have come around to everything. I haven't spent as much time with the last couple albums. Boo Boo, I spent a fair amount of time with, but like Outer Peace, I haven't spent much time with at all. And at the end of the month, he puts out Mahal. And with Mahal is like a short, I guess like a short film Eric Andre is a part of. Oh, cool. So that's an interesting piece. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to rate this guy? Tell me, what were you going to say? Which one? Is it the album after this one that's like kind of more electronic? I don't know. There's a better word. It's a little more, the one after this is called Boo Boo, and it's a little bit more 80s funk, I would say. Dancey. Dancey, 80s funk, for sure. The one before this is Say Anything, and it's a little more R&B synthy. Oh, that's probably it. When I was playing this one, Chris was like, oh, I'm familiar with this other one. You should check that out. Or Anything in Return, not saying Anything in Return. The, the... Yeah, go ahead, Jenny. I was just trying to, I, I don't remember which one it was, like, by name. I just remember that the sound was, like, much, which one was it? Wait, hold on. Oh, you don't know either. <laughs> we are very, we play very fast and loose with, like, names and titles around here. We're, like, the one. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know that one. That one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the one that everybody knows. Yeah. I, like, in the after party, I've got a song from... Yeah, okay, so that's the one I was thinking. I think that's that one, one was the. I think that was his peak popularity, maybe. That's where, like, he'd done two, two albums and they were kind of underground, and then anything in return broke for him a little bit. Not much. The guy's, I don't think he's ever broke like top 100 on Billboard 200, but. But that one was like a. It was like a different. It wasn't wildly different, but it was definitely like a little bit of a genre shift. And then so it is, like, yeah, for sure. What other run me through real quick because literally these two are the only two I've listened to, and it was like in the last. I would years, say, so. if this sound is a little bit more what you would go for, I would suggest the album he did with the Matson Two, which I believe is called Stuff. I was actually wondering more, like, how many other... Is he the kind of person who puts out, like, every album has... it Like, is it like a King Giz thing? <laughs> like, every album's a different No, album. I wouldn't say it's, it's that... Not, it's not that range, like, that yeah. much range. But it, but it is, like, this it's, much range. Like, yeah, yeah. It could be a little Plus, bit more rocky, sort of proggy, and then it could be a little bit more lo-fi, electronic, and everything in between. And, and he's got two mixtapes and three side projects that like also fill in the gaps between those albums too. Like it feels like 
he does a sound and then maybe gets to expand a little bit on that or like heads in another direction and gets to expand on the next one. I haven't listened to much of Listen. I haven't listened to anything of Plum. Both of those are considered side projects on Wikipedia. Um, I've listened to the Samantha mixtape, but I haven't listened to the mixtape, the Soul Trash mixtape that came out after Outer Peace. He's prolific. You think about the fact that the guy's only been at this for 12 years and he's got six about to be seven solo albums and at least three side project albums and two mixtapes like that that's an output that's pretty solid for a musician uh, is he like more of a solo person that he has like people who fill in as musicians or does it like a band more the Matson 2 is more of a band the rest like the Toroi Moi stuff is more a um, solo project that he'll bring like backing musicians on for tour maybe a little bit on recording but like Chaz Bundick's kind of the primary component of tour we want yeah and then I don't know yeah listen and plum I don't really know so I have half an hour sure let me rate this let me rate this from my perspective first off again ryan i'm glad and this is like for me the number one two three four five six seven eight nine ten value of the pod is i get to listen to cool stuff that i otherwise would probably get lost in the shuffle with you guys and like yet again i just feel like hey now i like know this record and there's some songs on here i really dig and it also expanded me, like my sort of understanding of what this particular musician can do or does. And so all that is cool. Did I love, love, love every song? No, but I think I liked more songs than I didn't like. And there were some songs that like, I'm just kind of surprised, like weren't bigger in some kind of way because it isn't, it is poppy like it's i remember at the beginning you were saying like it's poppy and I, I wanted to push back on that in some way but the truth is it's like poppy in the way that like rock was in the 70s and so like in that way it is like there's strong melodies and all the hype going on. where it needs to be yeah right. and at the end of the day like i vibe with that's like a kind of pocket that i dig so i'm gonna go Four stars. Four out of five. I actually did the math on this one. Yeah, I tried to do it with Kingas. It just got really inescapable because I couldn't... <laughs> like, I can't give them all five stars. And then, like, the, there's only so many, like, divisions in between. This... And it came out to 3.3, but I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I feel like it's earned that. I... There, there are two that I never want to hear again. Buffalo and... What was the other one? I think it was spell it out, if I'm looking at this right. Because it's more disco, because it's more disco. Yeah, I would, if I had to have guessed which ones you probably wouldn't have liked, it would have been those two, for sure. Yeah. Maybe, to be fair, I feel like I should defend myself just a tad and mm. say that I don't actually hate disco. It's not the disco. <laughs> there are, believe it or not, like a few disco songs that I like, and maybe one time just to prove it all, I'll bring them into something. Oh, you should, you know what, you but... should, the next time you get to pick, maybe you should do like a... So maybe we could do the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, maybe? I don't know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but there are also songs that I really like on here. And I think 
overall like my first impressions or just more like surprise because if you think about the that was it i was like oh i didn't realize that anyone was still doing this because i thought it was done like it had been done to death i thought like matthew sweet started it and then it like became a thing and alex g's been doing it and i i feel like i felt like this had been like kind of done and then i was like oh wait no it's still going and i guess maybe still going isn't fair because technically what is this 2015 yeah um, so maybe it's not but that's cool i i think it was just more surprised to hear it pop back up again but i think that of the songs that I really liked, which there are at least four or five of them that I would put on a playlist, like, it's a good, it's a solid five songs. Mm -hmm. It's good. I enjoy it. Like, I had fun listening to it this week. And there, there were misses and there were hits, but, like, hits were good hits. So, I think it's, I think it's really interesting to hear, like, this sort of thing pop back up again. Because I, I think it was something that I put out of my mind as being done and or over if there is such a thing i guess there's not i don't know it seems like music like the stuff that comes out especially like the newer stuff like sometimes i'm just like what, what are we doing here you know <laughs> have we done feels, this yeah i don't know like sometimes it's like new stuff and i'm just like all right we're moving on and then every once in a while oh no wait no here we are still that's cool i i think the three five is it, it's really in fairness is more like this was an album that had five very strong songs on it, and one of them I even did give a five, and there's a four or five in there, and it's got some very strong points. And if it wasn't for like Buffalo and the other one, higher, it'd have been higher. I don't know why I hate those so much, but I just want them to die in a fire. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was a fun listen, actually. And I'm, I'm glad to, I know that you've talked about Tori Moore before, and I think that I was probably overdue to what you were talking about. It's only been, what, 10 years? I tend to, like, about the time he puts out an album, I tend to be a fan of him for like a few weeks and proselytize to anybody who uh, will give me 30 seconds to speak my mind. I mean, yeah. who, who among us does not do that? Who's Fair. Uh, for the first, whatever. Yeah, so I, I think for me, it's like the four range. Like, four because it's, I know, like, like definitely the Massive 2 album nails the sound a little bit better. It's like it rides a little higher, but it wasn't out when this came out. And this was on heavy repeat for me for months after it came out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of depth to it. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the sound. And yeah, I think like you're right. Like certainly like there's a sound here that has been popular a number of times and been done again and again. I think he comes from an interesting side door into it where he picks up a lot of interesting rhythms and progressions that come from like R&B and it adds a depth that isn't there with a lot of other people that for me really rounds it out well. So yeah, I feel like this is a four for me. I would agree with that, and I think that if anyone was going to pick this back up, like, there are definitely tons of people who could have done it not as well. I will 100% agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You got a gun, Lydia?